A small insect, the black soldier fly, could be one of our champions when it comes to dealing with the climate crisis. And putting the black soldier fly to work and helping us alleviate the climate crisis is the Melbourne-based startup company, Bardi. I first saw Bardi at the Seymour Alternative Farming Expo. That was the first time they'd been to such an event. Representing Bardi at Seymour was Billy, and he put me in touch with the co-founder and CEO, Phoebe Gardner. And so today we get to talk with Phoebe Gardner about this amazing little startup company. But first we'll have some formalities and then we'll talk with Phoebe. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean, and I'm coming to you from Shepparton in Victoria, Australia, from the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I've been involved with the practical side of the climate conversation since the early 2000s. That's attending lectures and reading whatever I could find. And although the public interest has broadened as the years have passed, it became apparent to me a few years ago that much more needed to be said. And it was important, terribly important, that we were making much more noise. Unsure of what to do to reach more people, I decided to try my hand, or should I say more correctly, my voice, at podcasting. And what you're listening to now is the result of those efforts. There appeared to be a great silence about the climate crisis, and this podcast is an effort by me to increase the volume of my voice, and so help end that silence. Fortunately, it was not as silent as I had thought, as many other podcasts were beavering away and were attempting to alert the world to the climate crisis. And several months ago, I was found, so to speak, by Mark Spencer from the Climactic Collective. Music for this podcast comes courtesy of Music for a Warming World, a Melbourne-based group, and you'll find a link to that group in the episode notes. I trust you'll enjoy this episode, and if you do, please feel free to share it with your friends. I know nothing about Barty Fragments. I saw it at Seymour, but that was it. So can you tell me something about Barty? Yes, absolutely. At Barty, we're transforming food waste into protein and a rich organic fertilizer using a really special insect called the black soldier fly larvae. How did you get involved? My partner, Alex Arnold, and I founded Barty at the end of 2019. And we did that by joining a startup accelerator at the University of Melbourne. And we were really fortunate to be given a small 60 square meter space at the University of Melbourne horticulture campus in Burnley. And in that space, we built a small insulated lab and we started to breed this tropical fly, the black soldier fly, in a lab environment and try to understand how we could get that fly to consume food waste from the local markets and restaurants around the university and turn it into a really consistent high protein meal that could go into pet food and animal feed and a rich organic fertilizer from the insect castings. Tell me something about the black soldier fly. Like I know nothing about it. Is it native to Australia or is it just all over the world or what's the story? Yeah, the black soldier fly is pretty much ubiquitous across the world or 
anywhere that's somewhat tropical. So in Australia, you can find native, um, or not native actually, but uh, you can find groups of black soldier fly anywhere north from Sydney. And they're originally from Florida. So they travel around due to global shipping. You don't hear about them much, though, is because they're a non-pest, non-invasive species. So they don't impact crops and they don't bother livestock or animals. So why are they so good? Like, what's good about them? (laughs) I mean, what we think is really good about them is that they can eat just about any type of food waste and grow really quickly. They're really good at harnessing the nutrients in food waste. And so from what I can understand, you collect the, what's termed the frass. So can you explain that to me? Yeah, so frass is like a technical term for insect castings. In our case, it's specifically this fly larvae's castings. And so as these insects are eating food waste in really specially designed vertical farming units that we have here in Melbourne, they're producing one and a half times their weight in manure as they grow. And that manure there is this incredible fertiliser. And we've had it organic certified by the ACO, which was a really fantastic process and we learnt so much through it. And then we know as well that every time we're doing this cycle, we're creating a fertiliser that has a really nice MPK um, for horticulture use and for garden use. What's MPK? MPK is the base nutrients that go into a fertilizer like nitrogen that make a plant grow and so often when farmers and growers and gardeners are looking at fertilizers they're looking at those nutrients because that's how you know if it's going to make your plant grow really well or not. So how long does the black soldier fly live? (laughs) They live at our facility the cycle is seven days so from egg to growing and being turned into a protein um, meal for pet food and fertilizer and producing um, manure and that insect casting frass, that's a seven-day cycle. But the total life cycle at our facility is about 21 days from egg to egg. So how do you farm them? How does that work? Yeah, well, it's it's sometimes it gets all a bit complicated, but we try to make it as simple as possible at Bardi. So we have a large facility. It's about 2,500 square metres where we have eight different labs. And each lab looks after a specific life stage of the black soldier fly larvae and fly. And we're able to look after it and make sure that it's getting everything it needs to grow really healthy, to create this great fertiliser and really nutritional protein um, during that time. And we're also able to replenish the cycle because to keep processing food waste into these awesome products, we have to keep producing more insect um, eggs to to do that work. So we have a breeding program on our site, similar to how um, any kind of livestock farm might have a breeding breeding program or stock. So you say they eat waste. Where do you get that from? At the moment, our waste comes from all over Melbourne. So. It can come from supermarkets, the big markets like uh, Vic Market and the markets out west, um, market gardeners directly, food manufacturing operations um, nearby us in this industrial area, uh, all the way through to food courts. So we've actually partnered with 
a whole host of the large and small waste logistics companies. So they're the trucks that are picking up organics waste from buildings and other locations and they bring it to our facility to tip it so we can transform it. Say for argument's sake, I've got 100 kilograms of old bananas. What do you do? How do you work with them? Well, we process up to 10,000 kilograms of food waste every day here at this facility. Wow, that's, so, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's it's grown really quickly, um, and I think it's because so many people really want to be not sending food waste to landfill. So if you had 100 kilos of bananas or 1,000 kilos of bananas, um, you could contact us and we'd be able to help you connect to a waste logistics um, company that could get the bananas to our facility. Or if there was a really large food waste supply and um, that needed to be, you know, something sustainable needed to happen with it instead of it going to landfill, or sitting in a pile somewhere, breaking down into methane, we would be able to establish new facilities. And that's what we're working on now. How do we get ourselves closer to more of these large stocks of food waste? What's your background, Phoebe? My background's actually in architecture. So building big um, industrial buildings. And so I learned a lot about how to manage projects and build things that work as quickly as possible early in my career. And now I've been working with my co-founder, Alex, who's an insect geneticist, um, to build up this first facility, this first large facility for body and um, start to grow this solution so that we can really get food waste out of landfill and make these amazing products that, that people really find valuable and useful. Where did the name Bardi come from? Well, Bardi actually means edible insect in about eight different First Nations languages. What Alex and I really wanted to represent was that while we use a bunch of tech to do what we do and, and manufacturing automation and, and all these things, the idea of having insects in our food cycle recycling nutrients back into the food system is actually not a new idea at all. And First Nations people have developed incredible agricultural technologies over tens of thousands of years that include insects and working with insects. And so we worked with a couple of amazing um, language resource centres uh, when we were thinking about taking on the name. So what are your fertilisers used for? At the moment, our fertiliser goes into a few different products. So we white label for Vasily's garden, and that's an amazing connection. So it's going on to gardens in people's homes who are growing fruit and veg at home, which we think is just amazing. And then it also is going into some products for companies like Plant Runner, and it's going on to people's houseplants in the city and in other areas. And then finally, directly, we sell to a lot of farmers in the horticulture space. So we sell our own branded fertiliser, which is called Superfly. And with that one, it's either in bulk bags or in pillow bags. And we send out pallets or truckloads to lettuce growers, berry growers, flower, native flower growers, um, every day and that's going on crops that's turning into food that people are buying at markets and supermarkets. And then the final one is we've just stepped into some um, tree forestry projects. So supporting um, Telstra, and this was in the AFR the other day, to plant um, 
100,000 trees for a carbon offset project where we're fertilising um, and trialling to fertilise the trees with our organic fertiliser. Your product says, or your website says, uh, Bardi will reshape the global food system. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, well, I mean, it's our hope that the whole food system can become more sustainable. We know that today about a third of the food that farmers work so hard to produce ends up being wasted and often in a landfill where it breaks down and contributes to producing greenhouse gases and ultimately climate change. So what we're trying to do is get the most possible out of the food that is being produced so we can take that wasted food and get it back into products that can help us make more sustainable food. The highest level of recycling we can do to food waste is turn it back into food. And when we look at the UN hierarchy of recycling, um, that's the best thing we can do is turn it um, back into something that can be a food. And by using the insects, we can use the food, transform it into an insect protein that can go back in as feed for animals. Um, and we just want to see much tighter, closer food networks um, to support food security and also sustainability across the board in the in the food system. What line of products does your product replace? So on the insect protein side, we're able to replace 100% of the meat in a pet dog food and ultimately deliver a pet food that's carbon positive. So feeding your dog can the equivalent of planting up to five trees per month in carbon offset. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. And we hope to do that with um, in the future with products like salmon. So you could go and you could buy salmon that's eaten insect protein instead of fish meal that's causing overfishing in our oceans and it be a carbon positive piece of salmon. Like that's really what we're trying to create on the protein side. And then for our fertilizer, the fertilizer has a really nice MPK, so it can replace so really good nutrients for growing plants um, and crops. So it can replace any organic fertilizer 100%. But what's really interesting, and I think is like the shift we all really hope to see, is that traditional farmers who use chemical fertilizers are starting to substitute a percentage of their traditional fertilizer with our organic fertilizer and they're seeing really good results and making a cost saving while they do it. So we really want to see using organic fertilizer become more, more normalized and we're really happy for people to include it. Um, even if it's just a small amount, if it reduces the total chemical fertilizers they need to put on their crops. Your website says we take food waste and transform it into an all natural protein oil and organic fertilisers that offset CO2 emissions. Can you explain that for me, thanks? Yeah, so every time we take food waste, it's not going to landfill. That truck was otherwise destined to landfill. And when the food waste goes to landfill, it gets compacted, and the way it breaks down, it breaks down into methane, which is a 30 times more potent gas than CO2. When we take it and we feed it to our insects in our vertical farm, we actually prevent the food waste being compacted and we prevent all methane production. And it's not even us that do it. It's actually the insects. So the insects are in there and they're hungry and they're eating quickly. So they're constantly turning over 
the food waste as they eat it, which prevents it from compacting and prevents methane. So the insects do produce CO2 just like you and I do and everyone does as they breathe, but it's a really small emission compared to what happens when the food waste goes to landfill. What's been the acceptance of the idea behind Barley? We've been really in stealth mode building out the technology. Even for us, we really wanted this to work and we thought we might have a solution, but we didn't know if we could actually do it until <laughs> just a few months ago. So we've only just started telling our story um, and we went to our first alternative agriculture show, the Seymour show, just a couple of weeks ago. And we've been really surprised by how many people have been wanting to try it out and, and get on board. I think um, on the protein side, we just can't make enough. So many people want to feed their pets and um, farmers who are particularly in aquaculture and poultry are really interested in substituting for more sustainable and available local feed sources. So we just can't keep up on that side. And then for the fertilizer, it's like we're trying to find its best space in the market and we're really looking for different growers who um, would like to try it out so that we can learn together because, as I said, you can see we're trying lots of different things, lettuce, berries, flowers, um, even lawns and gardens. So we've still got a, a way to go to work out exactly where that fertilizer sits and, and we're looking forward to working with a, a lot of growers as we, as we do go on that journey. How big is your company? We are only two years old and we were four people for a long time, but we were 11 people in September last year. And then, as I said, we've been running our manufacturing lines and everything every day now for uh, about four months, four or five months. And in that time, we've grown the team to 36. So we've got an amazing team from amazing export experts in Australia, manufacturing jobs, but also scientists who've come from all over the world to work with us um, and this insect because they're excited about what we're doing. Yes, I looked on your website and you've got an amazingly young team. So can you explain that to me? How, why is that? Is that because young people are enthusiastic and keen on the idea? <laughs> we do have a young team and we also have a lot of women in our team. We're over 65% women. Um, even with 36 people. And that's not something that we went and did on purpose, um, but it's just the talent that we were seeing applying was so phenomenal and we're always choosing the, the best person for the job. Um, and so it's a very um, diverse team. We also have nine first, different first languages in our team. Um, and so I think by taking an approach of... Um, being willing to give young people a go um, at taking on a big job um, who are ambitious and want to learn and are happy to receive feedback and learn quickly um, if they're being trusted um, has been something that's really helped us move quickly. And then the other thing is we also have an amazing support network of, of um, advisors who've worked in agriculture and manufacturing and food safety for a really, really long time. Um, and so we really work with and rely on their advice as well as we make decisions. Do you have competitors? Yeah, there's some competitors globally. So there's a company in the Netherlands um, called Protex that work 
um, with insects and they have a large facility producing insect protein and fertilizer. It's really inspiring to see the uptake of the insect protein in animal feed and well as well as their fertilizer over in Europe. And, and we think that's super promising and a really inspiring company. And there's another company in France as well who work with a different insect um, to produce animal feed. And um, they're called Yinsect, another amazing company building a big facility. So there are a few global players um, and it really helps to have a bunch of people working on um, in an area because it helps people become more aware of what's possible and the and the benefits as we all keep building out this market. No competitors in Australia? There's some Australian groups also working with insects and a lot of them have a much heavier waste management approach um, in, in the sense that they're really amazingly able to manage waste on site. Um, but as I said, we've grown really quickly to process up to 10,000 kilos or 10 tonnes every day. And the reason we're able to process so much is because we're turning it into this really consistent fertiliser and protein product. So from the start, we've had this really strong protein um, and fertiliser focus. And that's, that's probably the difference in what we're doing and, and much more similar to what's happening over in Europe in that sense. You've got plans for the future? Yeah, we do. We're really excited to open Buddy's next facility next year and we hope to grow in scale at that facility considerably. Um, we, we have a goal to be processing 300 tonnes per day at that new facility and that would allow us to um, divert and offset up to about 500 tonnes of CO2 every day. Um, to offset that in carbon emissions, which is just incredible, and then also divert a meaningful percentage of food waste um, away from away from landfill. And when you take food waste out of waste streams, you also start to make other things more recoverable. Uh, a piece of plastic that's covered in food waste is hard to recycle, but a piece of plastic that's clean is much easier for other recycling companies to take on and instead of it all ending up mixed up in landfill together. Phoebe, is there something else you'd like to say about Barty? I think we're just so thankful for all the support we've received from so many different people in the community and, and we're only just starting. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just incredibly thankful to talk to you today and, uh, yeah, really, really would love to hear from anyone who's interested in either joining our mission to be part of our team as we grow or any growers or people who want to use this fertiliser on their garden and let us know how it goes. Talking about support, hang on, what's been the interest from state or federal governments? We haven't received any grant funding just yet, but we have been really supported by the accelerator programs and startup community that receives funding from the um, state and federal government. Um, when now that we have this technology up and running, we're really hoping to engage more with government to see if we can have some support to grow this sustainable technology. Um, but we just have to just have to wait and see. But we are excited about working closer with government in the future. Oh, th thanks, Phoebe. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks so much. And then, of course, we also work alongside the um, regulators like the EPA and wastewater and, and all those kinds of groups as well as we build these facilities, which has actually been a really positive and really helpful experience. Phoebe, you say Seymour was your first experience at, a, at an expo or a field day? 
Yeah, I mean, I've always been a visitor going on the weekends, um, looking at the stalls, attending the little demonstrations that everyone does at the shows. Um, but it was the first time for Barty to actually attend and share what we were doing. Was it successful? Yeah, it was actually really a really wonderful experience. So it was Mike and Billy in our Yo, team. I met, Bill, I met Billy. Took- Oh, is it? Yeah, Billy is just phenomenal, and he's so um, such a passionate advocate for what for our fertilizer products. And he actually works in our production team, so he's making the product every day, running our manufacturing lines, and working alongside with these um, the rest of his team, handling insects and and everything else. So yeah, he's such a star. Um, and the outcome of Seymour was that we were able to. Um, people picked up and, and were able to buy some of our pillow bags of fertilizer, which was awesome. Mm. Uh, and we took a few pallets, which was great. And then um, it's been really exciting. We've been in contact with another, a number of um, organic farmers in particular that attended that show. And so we've been able to um, talk to them subsequently about how we get some larger volumes that they can use on a crop to them. Thanks, Phoebe. That was wonderful. I can sense your excitement and commitment to what is a great project. Again, thanks. Climate Conversations is published with the support of the Mark Spencer published Climactic Collective. And it's just one of more than 20 podcasts making up that collective. More about the collective and the associated podcast can be found at climactic.fm. Music for Climate Conversations is from the Melbourne-based group Music for a Warming World. You can find a link to that group in the episode notes. Responsibility for Climate Conversations rests with me. But you could help with the questions. And if there is something specific that needs addressing, but the question is not being asked of whom it should be asked, please make a suggestion and send it to r.mclean, the number seven, at icloud.com. Earlier episodes of Climate Conversation can be found at the Climactic website. Simply search for climactic.fm. Go to the Climate Conversations artwork, click on that, and there you will find all the earlier episodes. Beyond that, and in all this climate chaos, remember just a few things. Put your faith in genuine climate science. Also, action is the best antidote to despair, and that, I must add, is one of the drivers of this podcast. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. That ends this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company, and until we talk again, please take care. Collective.